to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I hope everyone enjoyed the draft. That's going to be our main focus of our discussion this evening. Um, we've got some other things to touch on as well. We're going to touch on... The very, very exciting announcement, especially for us European Seahawks fans, that the Seahawks will be playing in Germany later this year against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'll quickly touch on that at the start of the pod. And there's some interesting few little quotes from KJ Wright um, in the in the recent days about potentially wanting to come back to Seattle. So we're going to touch on him and his situation at the end as well. Uh, but that's going to be the focus for the pod tonight. Pez, how are you doing, mate, Mr. Positive? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good. Very happy. Very happy with that Germany announcement. I uh, I saw bits of it a couple of months ago, and then I thought, well, nah. Like, what's the attraction? What's the Seahawks have in Germany? Except for they they are like one of the most followed teams in Germany, mm. like for the sport. So that's a draw. But it's like you've just got rid of Russell Wilson. So what? Like the Seahawks. So I kind of put it on the back burner, and then. Saw the tweet off uh, Mike Dugan first thing in the morning for us, mm. saying that he's heard that it's the Seahawks are going to Germany. I was like, oh my god! And he's a really good, like he's a reliable guy. He doesn't say things for the sake of saying it. And then Corbin Smith pretty much came out and chucked the bit, chucked the beans everywhere. He wasn't spilling them. He was fucking all over his front room, <laughs> like essentially just going, "We are going to Germany, mm. and I'm going to do a live." It's like, right, well, you sound dead certain and you're quite well in as well mm. in the organisation, like, with the team. And then it came over and I was absolutely ecstatic. Already booked the hotel. Hotel's booked. That's sorted. I don't blame you. Just it, need it, to get a ticket. Just need to get just a ticket now, eh? ticket, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going, but we might not have tickets. We'll, we'll be in Munich. Oh, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> oh, are you? Josh, how are you, mate? Deutschland, Deutschland, <laughs> Uber, alles. I had to get it in there. I'm going back to the place that I grew up for five years, um, different part of the country, but I'm well excited. It's genuinely, anyone who hasn't been to Germany, any listeners or just any fans in general, Germany is an awesome country. As long as you are not a typical Brit abroad, aka a dick, try and 
just go with the flow of it and they are brilliant people i'm i'm so stoked for this guys like i'm i'm already looking at dragging more people along with us tickets hotels flights i'm all over it i've had the all clear from the missus so it's it it's a good one i'm i'm so happy about this she, she doesn't have a choice right though pretty much yeah but i don't tell her this i nearly caused world war three in my house i said listen sometimes <laughs> Sometimes in this marriage, there's going to be non-negotiable things, and this is non-negotiable. I'm going to Munich for the weekend. It's the Seahawks. It's happening. Yeah, she didn't take too kindly to that. Me tell well, her. I don't blame her if you said it directly like that. I hope it was a little bit sweeter than that. Why? Well, I, I would have got my wedding yeah. out of the way by then. I would have got my wedding out of the way by then, so that's the big expense. And then the honeymoon, so we'll be all right. And I'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm off to Germany for uh, a long weekend with the boys. See you on Monday. That's 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 See, I'm I'm in a better situation because I, I don't have a missus, so I just asked the dog, double check with the dog, double check with the oh. fish, um, and then and I was good to go. Mom, so... Mom, is it okay if I go to Germany? Mom, right, no, Jerry, Mom, Mom, can you do my washing on. up? Cheeky, cheeky, Perry is cheeky. We've we've seen that. Happy birthdays are in order, aren't they? Oh no, now you're getting there. Yeah. Happy well, birthday, President Tate. Thank you very much. Happy Tam, well done. The leader of the We Talk Seahawks podcast. Another year older. Another year older. Wise. How old are you now? Another year 22. wiser to be. 23. 23 are you. Oh, you're past it, you. So past old. it. Past <laughs> it. There's people getting drafted that are older than me. Cheek, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in the, in well that's just a waste of, you've wasted your 23 years then, isn't it? <laughs> what, what round are you drafted in, Pez? That's all I'll say. Right. Undrafted, unsigned. Undrafted, unsigned. That sounds about right. Well, should we talk about some guys that were drafted and were signed? Well, they haven't officially signed yes. yet, but they're being drafted. Um, the first pick in the uh, in the first round for us, pick number nine, um, the highest pick we've had in quite a long time in the first round. Um, I, I don't want to say I called this on the last pod, but I kind of did. Um, offensive tackle from Mississippi State, Charles Cross. Um very, very happy with that. Um, I'm going to grade that off the bat as a as an A. It's not an A plus because there are still some uh, not not doubts, but some little bit of concern about his potential in the run blocking department of his game because obviously it wasn't that common with when you know in the scheme that he was in at Mississippi State, he wasn't asked to run block that much. But what he what we do know is he's probably the best pass blocking offensive tackle in the draft. Um, We've got a quarterback now in Drew Locke that we probably are going to want to. He's, he's going to be a, a schematic quarterback. He's going to be a system quarterback. We're probably going to ask him to use that arm quite a lot to throw the deep ball. So if you want a guy to protect Drew Locke, I think Charles Cross was the best guy in the draft to do that. Um, like I say, I said it in the last part as well. This was the biggest need for me on the team. Forget quarterback, forget cornerback even. Um, and and not forget edge because that is, that is still a big need. But kind of throw those out the window. Let's get an offensive tackle that's going to be here for the next 10 years. And we have done, and I think Charles Cross is going to be our franchise building block on that offensive line now. Um, and it's not a bad drop-off to go from Dwayne Brown to Charles Cross. I don't, that, that's not, that's not a bad uh, little, little replacement there, is it? Um, so for me, I'm, I'm going to give that an A. Um, very, very, very happy with Charles Cross. Um, I probably, like I, say, I probably would have taken Iquanu if he was at nine over Cross. Um, just because of his run blocking ability and the tendency we have of running the ball. But from the guys that were already taken and from the guys that were on the board at nine, obviously 
they didn't want to trade back. So out of the guys that were available, I think I would have had Charles Cross as my number one sort of prospect and my number one wish for them to draft. And they have. So I'm very happy with that. That's a great day for me. Pez, what do you think, mate? Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not, like, when it comes to all linemen, I'm not clued up, but I've listened to a lot and, like, listened to various podcasts talk about him, and he, he comes across as... The things that concern me, anyway, is... The things that concern me about him, because, I like, in the last pod, I said that if he didn't get the top two, I just would have liked to have traded back. Mm. And... The feeling you got of John, I don't know if you two saw the press conference, but John just looked like he was making superlatives up off the top of his head because he was not prepared at all for the pick. It it genuinely didn't feel like that. And I don't know whether that's I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like were, were they surprised he was there or were they like, oh well shit. Like we may have wanted Stingley, we may have wanted this person. They we we got hijacked. There was no trade trade back partner, or were they like, oh shit, we never thought he'd be there at this point. So great, cheers. But I don't know. That didn't fill me with confidence when he started blabbling in, in his press conference about him. Like normally, when them two start doing things like that, it's because they're a bit like underprepared. And they're just making shit up in front of the press. But then, on the flip side, l- listening to people who understand the position more and who like are analysts, this uh, he's got some really good things that could help us a lot. Like there is there is some things like Rob Statton said. It's his body size he's really concerned about. Mm. Is he? Is he? Is his physique going to let him down when he comes into the NFL? But at the end of the day, I'll take it. I'll take it. The, the, the majority consensus is that it is like a grade A, a grade yeah. A, a grade, a grade A, um, A minus pick. So enough people are saying it. So I'm just going to see what happens, really, in my opinion. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very limited on the knowledge of the old line. Like I say multiple times, it's something I'm going to do this off season. I'm going to learn about that line. So I keep, don't keep saying, I don't really know that much about the old line. I'm going to do that this year. Fair but much. hopefully, yeah, hopefully, like you said, hopefully he is our new left tackle to take over Dwayne Brown, younger version of him, and we're all good for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think aside from his run blocking potential, I think the size was potentially the next sort of biggest concern. Like you say, not really a concern, but just sort of the next biggest sort of, you know, a little bit of a knock on his potential like scouting report. Um, I think he's only about six foot four, which you know, is, you know, he's still not a small guy by any by any means. But you see these guys at offensive tackle nowadays, like the likes of Stone Forsyth, that are six foot eight, six foot seven, six foot nine. So. He isn't the biggest offensive tackle. Um, he has bulked up a bit, though. Um, I think he was about 270 pounds in 2019, and then I think he weighed in at just short of 310 at the combine this year. Um, so I think he does have the. I think he has recognised that he probably has needed to bulk up a little bit, and he's done that. Um, but yeah, they I have, think. Um, <coughs> sorry to interrupt. Uh, Pete did mention it as well, so it's like yeah. at least it's like. At least it's like 
from the things you I've heard and like stuff what Pete and stuff has said, at least it's a guy they wanted because straight away Pete was like, We're gonna get him in and we're gonna add it was like ten pounds straight away on him. Yeah. So it's like the, the it's kinda like they know exactly what they need to do with him to improve him. That that that, that was good. After the initial reaction to the pick press conference to the next one where they were a bit more direct with their vision of him. Yeah. Like the consensus is it's a really good, really good pick. And a lot of people are excited about it. I know there's a few people who are a bit lukewarm on the, on, on the pick, but there's other picks out there. What more people are furious about, aren't they? There are. Yeah. Um, a few of the offensive line ones in the call strange, I think is one that comes to mind that aren't, I don't think many people are too happy with that. So I think uh, we could have done worse in terms of our first round history. Um, Josh, what do you think on this one, mate? Are you happy with this? What what kind of what grade I, are you giving this? See, I, I give it an A purely for the fact that he's he is one of those talents that we've been looking for. Obviously, Dwayne Brown's not going to come back. They're not going to sign him just to coach up Cross. Cross will get chucked straight in at the deep end. Um, he's he, he showed that he can do the, the biz. What he last season was it? He had two two sacks allowed and 16 pressures, you know, that's something to build on. His nickname was Sweet Feet because of how quick he can get into his stance, which is fantastic. I mean, all this stuff about him not being able to run block, he came from an air raid offense, rah, 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 fine. But we know that he can specialize in the pass blocking. Brilliant. Run blocking is something that he can be taught and Clint Hurt will be all over that. So I'm I'm thrilled with this. I think we've, we've got a cornerstone of our offensive line, which we've been begging for for years and we got it in our first pick of the draft I do think it was one of those where when the Seahawks looked at their draft board they saw everyone going so they saw your Stingley's your Gardner's your Thibodeau's all them and then they went you know what actually Cross has fallen to us let's just take him take him he's high on our board we need that it's, it's a position we haven't got we've got Stone Forsyth but no one's really high on him take it and I'm I'm, I'm thrilled I, A a for me, I'm happy with it. He'll be, he'll be a leader in that offensive line for years to come. Yeah, I think that's I, that's what I keep saying. I think they they wanted someone to be there for the long. Like you, 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 that left tackle position is 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 so important. And I think they didn't fall into the trap with the quarterback draft class, which again I think was probably arguably for me the biggest win of the entire draft that we didn't fall into that trap of taking yeah, the quarterback God. that early. Um, <laughs> so I think. You're in a position now where you've got Charles Cross. He should be the guy for the next 10, 12 years, over a decade kind of guy. He's your franchise player on that on that offensive line now. And you can go into next year with the ammunition if you want to trade up and go and get a CJ Stroud, go and get a Bryce Young, Ugalele, any of these guys that are coming out of the class next year who are you know the, the prototypical elite quarterback prospects coming out of the draft that we're used to these years. Um, so you can go and do that. And if you, if you imagine... With Charles Cross there now, and then obviously we, you've got Abraham Lucas, who we'll come on to in a little bit as well. And then the interior of that offensive line looks looks pretty solid now as well. Throw in a potential top quarterback prospect next year, and we really, really could be cooking on gas. So uh, how how pissed would you be if you were Russell Wilson? I, I, I think, and I've I've said this. Everyone who listens to the pod will know I've been I've been on the get rid of Russ train for a while now. Um, Russ has been crying out for better O-line, like more O-line help. And it took us to get rid of him 
to actually start building a young, talented O-line. So we get rid of Russ, we get the number nine pick. So then we go, screw it, O-line, fair enough. And then we go and pick another O-line, and we'll get on to it in a minute. Russ is probably looking at that going, you absolute bastards. But it, it, we've had to try and build a team as well as Russ. And now we've got rid of Russ. We can start fresh, start from scratch, and start building this young talent up. And we've got, I think we've signed some brilliant players that we're going to go into in a minute, so... Um, on that, do you not think? Do you not? I look at it two ways. I think it's probably like Pete because them two are like quite similar with their egos and stuff. It's like Pete going, "Well, fuck you!" Like I can't get your old line now, you prick. Or it, it, it's almost like he, like John Snyder said it. He said, "Like oh, the energy feels like 2012." And some of the moves he's made, if you look, like obviously we're going to get deeper into it, but just while she was saying it, it's like if you look at how they've done this draft, it is almost like, um, was it the 2010 draft or the 11 draft when they got Okun, and then they and then they had a, a the the then they got the just stopgap quarterback, see what he could do, and then. Literally, it, it's like they are, they're not lagging. They're genuinely just redoing It's like going back in time and redoing it all. Tried and right. tested formula, mate. This is where obviously people have, John and Pete, and I'll, I'll get off this point so we can go on to like the next draft pick in a minute. John and Pete have copped a lot of flack because they've been like, they've stagnated, they've not drafted well, or, or, or Pez is nodding because he's been one of the ones that have been like, get rid of them. They're shit. But They've obviously got a try and tested formula, which when you have an established superstar quarterback, you can't follow because you haven't got the draft capital, you haven't got the you know the the wage capital to do anything with. Whereas when they strip it all back now and they've not got a deal with obviously we've got a dead cap from Russ, but when they've not got a deal with that and they can focus on making stars these other players, then hopefully we can just run it back with Peak's game plan, run the ball well have a solid offensive line, play good D, and then just have a quarterback that can just do what is asked of him. So, let's see. Let's go on to the, the other draft picks and uh, and see if they're going to help us with that game plan. Well, let's go to the next one then. Round two, pick 40, part of the uh, the trade, obviously, for said Russell Wilson uh, from Denver. They use this on edge rusher Boye Maffe from Minnesota. Um, a very interesting pick. There was a guy that, again, I said on the last pod, and I'm sure we're all aware that I would have loved to have seen them draft in terms of edge, and that was David Ajabo. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it it is a big red flag with the injury, so I kind of understand it. But they've gone and got Boye Maffe. Um, I think he's got seven sacks last season for Minnesota. Um, but I think the the reason why they've gone for Boye Maffe over David Ajabo is this whole change to a three four defense. Um, Boye Maffe is very comfortable and was asked and, and knows how to drop in to play outside linebacker um, as much as he is an edge rusher. And with this 3-4 sort of defence that we're moving towards now, I think he's going to be asked to do a lot of that. I mean, I look at I look at a guy that they picked up a few years back in Daryl Taylor, and he's a very, very similar prospect, in my opinion, to mm-hmm. Daryl Taylor in the sense that he's an edge rusher by trade, but like Daryl Taylor, he can drop into to linebacker positions and drop into that outside linebacker. Um, so when you've got, if, if you imagine now going into the season, Daryl Taylor on one, one sort of edge and, and Boye Maffe on, on the other edge, you can have so much fun and, and play around with that 
and and disguise things so so much now because you know that both those guys if you want to give them a, a blitz look and then all of a sudden drop those guys into, into coverage into pass coverage you can do it with those two guys or you can send them both to go and get the quarterback it, it's it's a really nice sort of little one-two pairing that they've got on the edge now of guys that can both play outside linebacker from that edge spot um so i think that played a big part in 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 the boy mafia pick and obviously he's he's not a bad pass rusher either well, Maffe played outside linebacker, didn't he, for Minnesota? Yeah. Um, the, was it the Golden Beavers? The Golden um, Beavers. What a, what, what a name. Um, and then you've got Daryl Taylor. Before, like in preseason last season, they were putting him back at outside linebacker. So yeah. he's obviously, they've been coaching him up to that already. So by this season, he should be pretty proficient with Maffe, with Wosu. I'm quite happy with that, and then possibility of of a n other linebacker coming back, which we'll discuss yes. later. But yeah, I think yeah. Sorry to jump in on you, Pez here, but I I I like that pick. I think he's still a bit raw. I would have liked to have seen someone come from a bigger school with a bit more game readiness, someone who could jump straight in. I think Mafe will probably take a few games, probably half a season, to to come fully up to speed. But he's just he's one of the top testers and explosive talent. I think with some refinement and with the coaching staff we've got now, we'll be able to get that. I'd, I'd give it a B, B plus for potential. I can agree with that, Pez. Uh, yeah, he's he's an interesting one. He is an interesting one. He's one I um, watched his highlights and did some reading up on, and it's like he he's got some weaknesses. Like so, some some of the stuff I, uh, I was watching on him, he does a, like at the line. He does like a half a, like half step back before he rushes sometimes, and he's always and then that catches him out. And then he's always like behind the line, but then his speed in the open field, you know, like like you said, from when he played linebacker, helps him out. His open field tackling is really good, and then. And then, you, so you get that, and you're like, right, that could be a concern, especially in the NFL. He's 25, so it's like, is he raw enough to still be molded at that age? And it's not his yeah. own fault; it's just a COVID like year. It, this is done my head in. He's 25. He's old. He's 25. My God, I'm 37. I killed to be 25 and like that. You know, if if well, that's raw. Come on, he's going to a professional organisation. He's been drafted in the second round. He's got to have potential. They've got to see it in him. And at 25, he's still got what another seven years playing pro. Yeah, but but in in, in the NFL, in in the NFL and things like that, that's just how they view it, don't they? They just view it. It's like 25 years mm. old. But on the flip side, it's like some of his negatives are because reading like reading up on him and stuff, like people were saying. He could have easily been in the first round, but he only he only started fourteen games, actual mm. starts in his college career, and that's for Minnesota, not for like one of your big colleges. So that put a bit of a downer on him uh, from like things I read on him. But then it's stuff like his uh, something I found very interesting was his free cone time. I can't find it. I've been whilst you were talking, I've been trying to find it to make sure I'm right. But I'm pretty sure his free cone time, oh, is is at the same level as like Devonte Adams and mm. some of them elite receivers. Qu- quicker. It was quicker than Devonte Adams, I think. Was it quicker? 
Yeah, that's why I mean. it was. It was a couple of tenths was, of a second quicker or something. Yeah, it was like three, three of the NFL's elite. Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and yep. I can't remember who else it was, but yeah, that is quick. If that's, that's coming at you quick. off the edge, mm. Jesus Christ. He's only 23, though. I've just checked. He's only 23. There you go. There you oh, go. Right, well, still, scrap that. He's still classed as, you know, I, I don't class him as old, but in the, he's I the same he age as you, James. I thought he's 25. But James, there, like, there's hope for you yet in the NFL, mate. There we go. Yeah. For you, for the international inter, international program. Uh, yeah, but that that really impressed me. So, like, you see things like that, and off the edge, he's got some really he's got really good hands, like quick, powerful. Like, I don't know all the terminologies for them, but like, the only way I can describe it is like a chop or a swipe or something. He can yeah. like he uses both hands so effectively to like just get rid of his linemen to just essentially dismember them with his hand, just solely with his hands. So whereas his feet look like they let him down a little bit, his hands are so good that he'll cause, he'll cause a lot of linemen in this league, big problems, especially being new. And what you saw in college, it's interesting because reading, reading a lot of analysts, what they say is, he's the perfect He's, he's the perfect guy to come to the Seattle because the way we play will cover up some of them flaws, what people have highlighted. Mm-hmm. And you've got Clint Hurt. Like, yeah. it doesn't... It, it We talked about this in the last pod. Like, people are like, oh, he's got this flaw and he doesn't do this. Well, he doesn't... Well, you've got one of the best defensive lineman coaches in the league as your defensive coordinator. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Clint Hurt looks like a big ass guy as well. I think he'll have it beaten out of him by probably the one. end of rookie minicamp or something. It, it's we aren't half putting an exciting young defense together, really. Aren't? When you look at it, as opposed to, I guess it's aside from sort of the likes of maybe a an Al Woods and stuff like that in the interior of the defensive line, but with with Puna Ford and and Brian Monet and then these guys on the edge and then Nwosu and and Jordan Brooks. That is such a talented defensive line and, and linebacker group that they're putting together. If they can just, like I say, we'll come on to a few guys that they picked at, at the cornerback position as well, but if they can just improve that cornerback position as well going forward, then this defense looks like it's it's really not far off from being from where we want it to be, really. Do you know what it is? It's, it's, I'll get on to it at the end when we summarize our feelings like of the draft as a whole because uh, mm. I've got like things to say on that. But it's nice to see Pete not lying for once. When he says something, he actually he's actually he actually means it. He said to us, "We want to get younger, more explosive, and more aggressive." And you look like whilst we're on Maffey, yeah, yeah, that's it. Fucking get used to all these names. Um, Maffey, when 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 he goes like he goes forward with speed and power and he's just he just highlights it like it's just nice to see that for once Pete said he's going to do a certain thing and he actually looks like he's doing it looks like he's actually going forward with it well do you know what the another guy and and another thing that they that Pete tends to do and John tend to do that's draft running backs um pick 41 the very next pick Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. Um, I think it. it's 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say this is the pick that is dividing the most opinion in the Seahawks world at the minute. In this terms is of the Pez's next Seahawks jersey. It is, yeah. It's, He's it's got such a man crush. Anyone who, who listens, Pez has been all up in our group chat about this, about constantly watching his replays and absolutely loving him. And I think he's quite justified, to be honest. Just so, just not to the extent that I'm going to paint my walls like he's going to. So, <laughs> like, everyone, it seems to be two camps, doesn't it? It seems to be the camp of the analytic, kind of like your geeky statos who, if that's the right word to use... <laughs> Yeah, geeky stuff. Yeah, wrong they with are, that. aren't yeah. they? Though, because they're proper yeah. like it need like, and they go the value of that pick is just wrong, and the value and this, that, and the other. And then you got the other guys going, but have you watched him play football? Yeah, I am on that side of the fence. Have you watched him play football? And I have. Without cutting you off, James, if I could kind of go on a little thing, you go for it, mate. On this is if people just settle down with the value of the pick and we could have gone for a centre because essentially that's what everyone's saying isn't it we could have mm. gone for um, what? who was the centre who, who was still on the board he was like second centre what was his name? Cole Strange no Cole Strange no he was Is first round Linders or something no Linderbaum was first round and then I think Cole Strange was the second centre yeah taken, yeah he did he? but then someone was still on the board Jurg Linder or something. The centre. Jurg Linder. Oh, Jurgens. Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens. Who Got was picked Jürgen by Linders. the, Who's the, that? Uh, the <laughs> Eagles. He was, yeah. was hand-picked by Jason Kelsey as his replacement. I'm thinking of Liverpool's team. I'm thinking of <laughs> Jurgen Klopp. I'm, I'm just chucking out... Like, continuing the German team. Um, <laughs> no, but like people were like, that was it though. Like, why don't you take the centre? He's on the board. Why don't you do this? And I thought about this, and I love a running back. I love watching a really good running back do what they do best. It's exciting. Like, so get off your high horse of the value of your picks for a second. Because, really, if you want to talk about value of picks, how many first overall quarterbacks have been absolute tosh? So, talking about values and not, not mentioning any names but we've, we've got one on the roster um <laughs> <laughs> well, six games at the end of the season the coin flip king are you talking about there can't be him yeah um so if you get off that and then you look at how it is right a lot of people have listened to about this of in my opinion it's all people's opinions but what people are not thinking is it doesn't matter about your opinion it matters about Pete Carroll's opinion. And what does Pete Carroll love the most? He loves running backs. Yeah. He loves he loves his corners. He loves his running backs. And he, well, he fucking loves his running backs, right? He doesn't like centers. People mm. need to realize this. Pete Carroll does not like centers and he probably never will draft a center. Like with any value, he will, he just won't do it. He doesn't care about it. He's shown it over the years. That's why he rolled with Posick. That's why he had Kyle Fuller. That's why we experience these things because he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might think, oh, a centre might have been better value at that pick. Well, you need to stop thinking about what you think and looking too much into it. Look what Pete Carroll wants. Pete Carroll wants the next Marshawn Lynch. He's never going to find 
the replica, but he wants the new thing. Where did Marshawn Lynch get drafted? Buffalo. Yeah, but what round? It wasn't it like first or second round. I can't honestly remember, mate. Off the top of my head, it was like I'm pretty sure he got first or second round for for Marshawn, and then he went and traded for him mm. to get it. That's the value of running back. People keep on banging on about Chris Carson, but look, Chris Carson in the seventh round. Yeah, but you don't have the luxury of Russell Wilson being there anymore. He doesn't have the luxury. He needs. So when they got Marshawn Lynch, they didn't have the they didn't have a Russell Wilson. And then when they got a Russell Wilson, they didn't know what a Russell Wilson was capable of. And then when Russell Wilson, it like came out and shocked everyone. Then Marshawn like. People forget, like, it kind of, like, you mould them together. Mm. Whereas, really, Pete got the running back first. And that's what he's doing this time. He's targeted Walker because he's getting his running back first. Yeah. And if Geno Smith ain't it, but if Drew Locke can surprise some people and do some things, and then them two can mould together, great. If not, next year, with a, as everyone says, the better draft class, then he'll get his quarterback next year and then he'll mould them together like he did in the past, like Josh said, like the formula he's used in the past. He's just repeating himself. People need to, to stop mm. praying about this pick and just embrace how good, the potential of how good this guy could be. Because oh, for, yeah. whatever, for whatever reason, whether he beats Penny out to be an RB1 or Penny gets injured again and then he becomes RB1, there's that, a that's, very... Let's face it, that's the more likely scenario. I, Penny gets latter. injured, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, without going too deep, because this is off the draft, I disagree with that. I think the whole injury-prone Penny thing is uh, is a bit, like... It's a bit, what, proven since he's been drafted? Mate, six games, I, I said this in the pod, six games does not make a player. Anyone, the sun shines on a dog's ass sometimes, right? Anyone can go out and have six stellar games. He's proved he can do it. But now, like I said in previous pods, he just needs to prove he can stay fit. If he stays fit and stays at that level, mega. If he okay. doesn't, we've signed his ready-made replacement. Okay, so except for the big injury he's just had, what injuries has he had before that? Well, what do you mean? What He's not played a whole season since yes, we drafted yes, him. It, it doesn't matter what injuries he's had. It's the fact that he hasn't played games yeah, because but, of but, niggly injuries. It doesn't matter to one big injury or eight small injuries still, still pertains to a fuckload of injuries and no game time. You're paying someone to be a player in an American football team that's always injured or out or not getting game time. It, it doesn't work out. That's the thing. I, I, I hope, I hope to God that Penny comes back into this season and smashes it like he did last season, purely so he can stick two fingers up at all of his haters. But I'm a realist and I am looking at the facts, and the facts are he has not been fit throughout all of his rookie con contract, and he's come in six games and absolutely smashed it. Carries on doing that, brilliant. I will happily get a Penny jersey until that happens. It's a wait and see. We drafted someone with. Chris Carson's neck injury looking more and more likely that he's never going to return. Penny is, is unproven in the grand scheme of things. He's an unproven commodity. So we've got someone who is young, electric. He was graded higher than Brees Hall in a lot of people's mock drafts and a lot of people's analytics purely because of what he can do. 
if we have got a player like that on our team, I am happy. If Penny has some good games, gets injured, ready-made replacement. If Penny doesn't show up at um, pre-season camp and they go, you know what, we're going to ride with Walker, fair play, then Penny's got to earn his way back in. It is a great pick. I'm with you. Fuck all the people that have gone off the analytics and gone, oh, no, he doesn't fit it. You look at his game, that, that, that one game against Michigan where he scored five touchdowns that weren't all easy touchdowns proves it. And then the rest of his, his sort of college career, even though he transferred over, all over it. Sorry, Pez, I had to jump in there because I'm, I'm quite passionate about this Penny thing. I've had arguments with people about it already. Yeah, well, I, I was I was just going to say, the thing is, I, I, I personally, like I said, I wasn't going to get into the Penny thing because I know your view on it and I know my view on it and it will be a rabbit hole what will take each other down <laughs> and we'll argue to a blue in the face. Let's stop, let's stop. <laughs> but no, at the, day, at the end of the day, we can save that for another pod. Like we, We've got plenty of time for the off-season and these are the battles essentially mm-hmm. what are going to happen because of how good Kenneth Walker potentially is mm. and what he's shown. That is a genuine battle for RB1. It, it it really is because of what that man can do with, with football in his hands and what Penny showed us the last six games. And then when we talk about that, then I'll happily I'll happily get into it, like you said. But you make up points what you in, in, in your rant about it, you make up points what I was going to get onto before we went off is the Kenneth Walker pick to me makes so much sense. If anyone who listened to that was just like, nah, I still don't buy in. It makes so much sense because it clearly shows that Chris Carson is going to be no more. Rashad Penny, or if he is, he's going to be very, very limited because of his play style. He's a run-through, hard-hitting guy who's just had a neck spinal injury. You can't run and hard-hit anymore with a neck spinal injury. Mm. You've got Penny, who like, is essentially at this moment in time labelled as injury-prone. You've got Travis Homer, like we vocally said on this podcast before, who is great at blocking, but just runs into people, like, headlessly. So he's not going to be good. And then you've got DJ Dallas. Even though I like DJ Dallas and I thought he made a good stride last year, we're talking about RB1, RB2 here. So if they didn't pick Kenneth Walker up, you're bouncing into the season like some people didn't want. You're bouncing into the season with Rashad Penny, by the looks of it, no Chris Carson, uh, DJ Dallas and uh, Travis Homer and uh, Josh Johnson. He's a bit of an unknown commodity at this moment in time, what he could possibly be. So, Penny's RB1, you, by the way they look how they do it, it go Homer RB2, Dallas 3, Josh Johnson 4. Well, you got injury-prone RB1, so he goes down. Then you've got an RB2 who is nowhere near an RB1 or an RB2. And then Pete's whole game plan goes fucking shit-canned out the window. And he goes down with that shit rapidly during the season. Because once that, like I've said in previous podcasts, a couple of podcasts ago, he's not got a running back room yet. I said it then. I said, it's all well and good, banging on about Drew Locke and doing this and doing that, but he's got no running backs. So anyone who's listening to this, who still feels confused about the Kenneth Walker pick, or you don't think it's right, look at it from that angle. Just have a look at the roster, have a look at the depth chart of running back, 
go individually watch all of them and go, are you confident that any of the ones we have on our roster right now, if Penny shows the six-game span is a real thing, but then gets injured again, tell me who's going to who's gonna cover her ass. Who's going to cover Pete Ball? Not going to happen. With, with, that, with that in mind, what's your grade on Walker? Me, personally, I'd say a B, but by the end of the year, it could be an A plus in my opinion. Because yeah, if, with you. If, if he gets Agreed. unleashed and he destroys this league like he has the potential to do, is you're talking offensive rookie of the year and you're talking maybe without fully knowing how the Pro Bowl works, but if he lights the shit on fire, you're mm. talking Pro Bowl in his first season. Before before we leave Walker, what I'll quickly say is in that same year that we drafted Richard Penny in the first round, who who was drafted in the second round that we that we could have took running back wise? Nick Chubb. Now, if you offered me, if or if if you offered any Seahawks fan right now Nick Chubb in the second round, would you be happy with with a Nick Chubb in the second round? Every single one of us would go, uh, yeah, would be very happy to have Nick Chubb drafted on our team in this because Kenneth Walker is going to be as good, if not better, than Nick Chubb, in my opinion. And and we've just gotten that in the second round. So, for me, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon with this. Um, like you said, Pez, for me, it comes down to A, the depth chart, and B, even if Drew Locke isn't the answer now, could you imagine if they get one of the top quarterback prospects next year with a Kenneth Walker in his second year ready to, to not leave a rookie quarterback without a running game? Like, the pieces could be absolutely all there now. And, and like I say, Kenneth Walker could be a top five all-pro running back in, in the NFL in his rookie season. He, he re- I mean, 18 touchdowns and 1,600 yards last year for Michigan State. Like, this kid's legit, man. Like, he's he took, absolutely legit. He took Michigan State to 11-win team, up essentially, on his own back. Mm. How The thing you've got to look at short-term, you've got to look at and think, how good, like, how much is he going to help Drew Locke? Because I, I personally, yeah. I don't believe Geno Smith is starting. No, but how how much is he going to help a Drew Lock? Oh, and any any quarterback has to have a running game for me. Any successful quarterback, any successful team has to have a running game. And it's, and look at some of the running backs. Jail free card, isn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, the, look at some of the, the uh, pass our passing game has gone to shit. Let's run the rock. Yeah, and I think as as some Seahawks fans forgetting that. Some of the best players in franchise history, some of the most loved players in franchise history, are running backs. We we do them well. Marshawn Lynch, Robert Turbin, Sean Alexander, Kenneth Walker might just be the next one. And and I, I, yeah, for me this is for me this is a, a home run pick. This is best player available kind of thing. And you've now got your running back of the future. Um, let's go to the third round, pick seventy two, Abraham Lucas, the second offensive tackle. Again, another name that we picked out in the previous podcast around this spot. Um, in, in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, you might just have sorted your perimeter on that offensive line again for the next sort of 10 years. Um, I think Abraham Lucas was a prospect that a lot of people were surprised fell into the third round and especially into pick 72. Um, I, I was seeing Abraham Lucas being mocked in, in, in the mid sort of second round. Um, I, I think some analysts even might have even had a late first round grade on Abraham Lucas, I dare say. Um, so to get him at this point is exceptional value, um, and 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 for me that that locks up your two offensive tackle spots going forward. You don't need to worry about them. The interior of the offensive line looks good with Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, and Austin Blythe. Um, I, I I think now 
it, it, I'm not saying it's it, it's comfortable to say this at this point, but it feels like this is the best offensive line the Seahawks have had potentially in the Pete Carroll era, potentially, um, aside from the Super Bowl days with Okung and, 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 and stuff like that. It, it really looks like, again, it, it is... It is kind of a, a middle finger to Russell Wilson that they've that they've looks like they've sorted out the best <laughs> offensive line that they've that they've had and, and they've and they've got rid of him. But it, I mean, it, it, it's exceptional value again. It, it solves a need, and and for me again, this is a sort of a, a grade A pick. I, I just I can't I can't give it anything less than that. Um, I don't know what your lads' thoughts are on Abraham Lucas, but in-state guy. This is yeah, very good pick for my opinion. Um, I just quickly bought him because obviously. Josh is more of a technical guy when it comes onto the line. Um, yeah, value wise, it's great. He is he is great. Like he, he there is some like nasty stuff you've mm. seen, like in his film and his tape and stuff. Um, but like like I said, we'll at the end we'll summarize. But I'm that happy with the way this draft went. That any of the negatives I've read, I'm not that concerned because it literally looks like the positional coaches this year have literally got the guys they like. Like, because I've seen people say that uh, Dickerson was really high on um, yeah. Lucas. Yeah. He was like, he was the guy who was really high on him and he's the guy who's working with them. So, clearly, he he, he sees he works. So it's like you can only have confidence, and for the value, like you said, there's people, people like saying like he could go second, third round. So to get him, well, no, high second, yeah. maybe if someone desperately wanted him, if he fit their team, even higher. But um, yeah, so for me, well, yeah, I think I think it was really good. I, I'm I'm too I'm a bit sparse signing out A's straight away. <laughs> Just because of his, just because of some of the negatives you read and hear about, like yeah, for value of the pick. Oh, for value, yeah, yeah. Josh, what's your thoughts, mate, on Abraham Lucas? Um, I'm I'm going to go very quickly with an A. Uh, I think he was the the best option available, and again, we're building a strong offensive line going forward. Um, it, him at right tackle, cross at left. I'm well happy. Obviously, Damian Lewis at guard. And then we've just got another guard in the centre. We make them younger, and that is our O-line. Done. Um, yeah, well happy with that. Uh, he's obviously local as well, which is yeah. even better. Staying in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see it. I've, uh, yeah, I was surprised he dropped this far because a lot of mocks I saw had him going a lot earlier. Mm. But great value. Fantastic value for us. So, yeah, I'm well happy with that one. Let's go to the next one then. Round four, pick 109, part of the Jamal Adams trade. Um, they use this on Kobe Bryant, cornerback from Cincinnati. Um, again, very, very happy with this pick. Um, Kobe Bryant won the uh, the award. I can't remember the name of the award, but he won the award for the best cornerback in college football last season. Um, opposite, of course, Ahmad Gardner, a guy that a lot of us wanted us to take in the first round, but obviously wasn't there at pick number nine. Um, but again, and, and to get a guy like this in, in round four, pick 109, best corner in, in college football award winner last year. I think he had about nine interceptions in his career at Cincinnati. 
6-1, your prototypical sort of Seahawks corner prospect. Extremely quick, fast feet, twitchy, ball hawking, hard hitting. I mean, this uh, this could be, uh, well, I, I, we'll leave it to the next guy in terms of, I think, who could be potentially the best player sort of that, that we that we pick in these sort of day three picks that, that we can mould into. But in terms of the, the floor that Kobe Bryant's going to have as, for a round four pick, I mean, I don't think, I don't think there was probably many better cornerbacks on the board, and 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 many cornerbacks you could hope to to get at this point in round four. I mean, like he he's really really good. Again, another guy that probably could have gone in the second round, maybe in the well, not first round, but certainly second or third round. I think would have nobody would have batted an eyelid or raised an eyebrow if Kobe Bryant had gone in the second or the third. Um, so again, to get him at four, excellent value. Again, another, I keep giving them out, but it's another grade A pick because I, they're just nailing this draft so far. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on uh, on the old Mamba mentality, Kobe Bryant, but uh, you've got to be happy with this. I like yeah. it. He, he, he's got he's got a bloody strong jawline, hasn't he? Christ. Oh, it's a good are you going to get man. a helmet over that? <laughs> oh, yeah, handsome, I, I, as soon as I saw this come up, he, he's one of those players that... A strong jawline. Just, just a jawline. <laughs> no one's well knocking him out. That's a jawline. jawline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as soon as you, you look at... Uh, the, the Bearcats, I, I've I've never seen so many Bearcats get drafted as they have this year, yeah. which I think is testament to the team. When you've got a cornerback that isn't Source Gardner who wins cornerback of the year, it says a lot. Partly... People were shit scared to throw at source. But the other part of that is the fact that Bryant did such an amazing job being targeted so much that he's an award winner. Mm. And for us to get him in the fourth round is amazing. And obviously you look at the traits he's already got and we are renowned for training up CBs. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic with this. This and the next one I'm well happy with. This for me is an A. I think it's it, it's a true value pick. How he dropped so far is beyond me. Um, but again, it's pe- other people with positions of need, and this is a position of need for us. We've been saying it. We need to bolster our cornerbacks, our cornerback room, and we have done that emphatically with this. So I'm I'm well happy. It, yeah, I love this. This is another one I've been gushing over. Kenneth Walker and Brian are the two. I just can't stop watching. Like, I'm not a I'm not a deep dive analytics thing. Like we all say, we're just fans with our opinions. But when I watch him, and just keep watching his highlights, and I know they only show his good stuff, but I just watch him, and I get a really good vibe about him. Mm. How how he plays, how he tracks the football, it reminds me of Sherman esque, but like Sherman esque skills. Like he he uses his intelligence mm-hmm. to like to help him. Like he reads plays, he does things that Sherman did. Like he'll read a play. Like how many receivers say like, "Oh, Sherman ran around for me." Like DK said um, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it when I watch him, he looks like he's got that ability. There's a couple of ones where. Um, I can't get too technical with the things, uh, with the positions and stuff, but he was m- marking his man and he was like more just in the end zone. But then another receiver ran around the back of him 
and he literally split second registered what was going to happen, cut off from his man to the other guy, and just had a free pick in the end zone. Easy, like them kind of skills with like Pete Carroll's training up of a cornerback that could be deadly. And the only thing I can find really why he dropped as far as he dropped was because he had a really bad combine, mm. like athletically, but you awful, watch, yeah. But but then in his pro day, he, he did a four. Uh, 4.54 in his combine for his 40. But in his pro day, he got a 4.44. 4. And that's right up there. You watch him. You watch him on tape. And he doesn't look like, like to be quite honest, I'm not the fittest of people. I don't know what 4.44 is at a 40. But when you watch him, I test wise, he doesn't look as slow as the, the things he's been slandered for. No. And even if, he is, slow. even if he is slow, he uses his IQ and his brains mm. to to equalize his speed against receivers. But some of the best tape I watched was um, there's a highlight um, video on YouTube of Source and Bryant versus Alabama. And Literally, everyone's like, oh, Source fucking stopped. Who's Alabama's main guy who got drafted? Williams, Jameson. Yeah. Oh, he shut him down. He did so well. But they don't go, oh, yeah, but the other guy on the other side did it pretty much exactly the same as him. Mm. And like Josh said, because of Source, he got so hyper-targeted. But do you know what I think? I think that's fucking great. Because some of his numbers might be inflated, what put teams off. But you've, you've literally got, all them reps on tape. You can yeah. watch everything and being targeted over and over and over and over, like hyper-targeted. And it, I, I'm sure his stats, like his main stats are a uh, cornerback. He's in like the top 10 of this draft class. Yeah. The best cornerbacks yeah. to do them things. And he got hyper-targeted in that team against some of the oh, best yeah. college teams. Yeah, I think, like I say, I think this is a, a starting caliber cornerback that they found in, in round oh, four. So oh. for me, it, it, it's exceptional value. Um, they did go back to back corner, of course, round five. This is a guy that we certainly know isn't slow. Um, cornerback out of UTSA, Tariq Woolen. Um, I mean, this lad is, I think he was made in some form of, some form of athletic lab, some form of science lab, because you, you look at his measurables, you look at his, his, his stats. It is unbelievable. Um, he's about six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, and yet he ran a four point two six forty. Like four point two six. Four point two six. That's it's ridiculous. Unbelievable. I don't even think I can think that fast. No, it, it, you can't. <laughs> you can't say his name in four point two six seconds. So, and like, honestly, it's unbelievable. Like, if there's any cornerback prospect that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks would have loved to have mauled. Like and, and and had the opportunity to to mold and create into something. It's Tariq Woolen. Like this is mm-hmm. Pete Carroll's ultimate fantasy of a cornerback that he could draft. <laughs> like this is what sort of wakes him up at night and 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 thinking about the, the Tariq Woolen is is everything that Pete Carroll would ever want to draft in a cornerback. Just, and, he just sat there in the draft room rubbing his thighs at the prospect, didn't he? Yeah. Like this like, is it, a wide receiver converted to cornerback. 
did a fantastic job at cornerback, and he's like, oh my god. And and, and <sighs> wasn't that? I mean, I mean, I might be getting this wrong, but a few years back, didn't we draft a cornerback in the fifth round that had played wide receiver for two years, and then sure we did. to cornerback? Was that not? Was it yeah, something like Sherman? Was that a, yeah, was it Sherman? Some, something Richard. Richard I, yeah, I don't know if he was any good. Like yeah, I don't know if he was any good, but I'm, I'm sure we drafted someone like that. Before we get too excited on that comparison, Sherman was a lot more refined. Refined. Yeah, agreed. But it's the 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 basic skill set, if that's there, he's already got the speed, so you know no one's going to blow past him. And if they do, there's a chance of a, a Metcalf, Buda Baker situation going on there. All right. You've got one of the, the best cornerback coaching setups in the league who's going to take this guy under their wing and it's just going to mould him. So he's really raw. He's been converted from a wide receiver. Plus point on that, he knows how wide receivers run. He knows how they think. Fantastic. Played at cornerback, so he's now got the experience doing that. He's going to come into an NFL setup that obviously regards him quite highly. They've seen his measurables. They obviously, they've had chats with him. They know what he's like, and they've gone, we can do something with this lad. This could be another starting cornerback at some point. Oh, oh, Josh, Josh, Josh. Forget starting cornerback. Because I I don't know if everyone's getting their fully heads round Tariq Woolen, but let me just tell you this. If if they can mould Tariq Woolen perfectly and and, and get him how they want him, Tariq Woolen can, can and will be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I'm serious because you can't outrun him. You can't. How many receivers run outrun a four-two-six? You know, the receivers don't run that. John Ross did a four-two-two, and nobody's ever beaten that, I don't think. So Tariq Woolen ran a four-two-six. So you can't outrun him. He's bigger than most receivers at six-four. So he's got the frame and the body size to outframe most receivers, unless your name's DK Metcalf or Julio Jones kind of receiver. So he'll out physic. You know, he's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He's quicker than you. If if they can mould him into learning ball skills and, and and getting better at tackling, tackling I think is the main red flag with Tariq Woolen, which which infuriates us. But go on, Pez. Pete needs to teach him that kick step. Yeah, and then that'll help him a lot. A lot. But honestly, this is the ultimate win-win pick. Like, if because I I could understand if you took Tariq Woolen in the second round, like I'm sure some teams may have been tempted to. And and then gone. Oh, and his career doesn't work out, and he was a developed. Then you kind of wasted a pick. But in round five, to get a prospect that has the absolute, I, I can't remember a prospect that could that the sort of the the general consensus of the potential of this kind of player in at this sort of round at round five. Like the the, the sky is absolutely the limit for three. If they can just mold him properly, I'm this. He will be one of the best corners in the NFL, and they've got him in round five. He's a, he's a boom or bust, which we said we didn't really want to do in the draft. But at this stage in the draft, it, it's fair enough for me. You can't pass on a Tariq Woolen at this stage. We have the luxury. I think round five onwards is boom or bust, isn't it, yeah. for a lot of players? Yeah. Even, even four. Mm. Even four, really. If Cody, yeah. Bryan doesn't, if Cody Bryan doesn't work out, then no one's going to stop not kicking and screaming about it, yeah. Because really, anyone you, anyone like anal- uh, um, analysts and things like that, and draft experts, it's like one to three are your main ones. If you yeah. fuck up in them three, you're getting yeah. housed. Four to seven is like fours in the middle ground, but it's still like 
Cody Bryan doesn't work out. No one's going to turn around to Peter and go, you fucking idiot. Why didn't yeah. you pick him in the fourth? You could have picked this other not well-known cornerback instead who did well. It's just, yeah. it, there's a, like you said, it's a bit, there's just boom or bust in these picks. Um, but my God, is it not going to be fun when training camp starts and DK, oh. you know, but you know for a fact, DK's one going to race him. <laughs> Wait until that video. Oh, he's already got, he's already supposed to be racing with the Tyreek yeah. Hill, isn't he? Yeah. Charity for fifty k. You know for a fact, Seahawks.com are going to be gushing over the fact that DK and Woolen are going to have all the players alongside them, and they're going to go for a dash, hundred percent. And you know for a fact because of his size and his speed and his physical physical traits, DK is probably seen that pickup and gone. I'm going against you one on one. Yeah, me and you are going one on one. Yeah, me and you are going. One-on-one. I'll sh- I'll prove you. I'll show who's the main man in this place because that's what he's like, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's a he's a competitor with that ego, and he'd be like, I I'm. Let's see what you're made of. Let's see if you oh, can. God, just imagine me. if he loses. <laughs> This is imagine, you know, best, best of three, best of three. No, no, best of five, best of seven. <laughs> You're owing six DK. Just give it up. Oh, I can get one. <laughs> right. Let's get to the next guy then. Round five. I was second pick in round five. Um, I'll hold my hands up. I don't know the most about this guy. It's Tyreek Smith from Ohio State, the defensive end. Um, I don't know a lot about him. He's a big lad, six foot three, um, 245 pounds. Um, I'm not too sure in, in terms of whether he p- possesses the ability to drop into coverage. Um, I, w- I, would has- I would hazard a guess not as Pez shakes his head due to his size. Um, but, I'm, I, you know, it, it, again, it's more edge help. He's, he's more of a, I think he's more of sort of a, a power rusher and a bull rusher rather than a kind of speed guy off the edge. But, again, I don't think we really have that off the edge. Daryl Taylor and and, uh, and Nwosu and obviously... Um, Boy Mafia, I forgot his name. Boy Mafia, they are speed rushes. So you know you've got to mix it up. You can't just have all speed rushes, in my opinion. You've got to have a few power guys in there as well. So I mean, at this point in the draft, you're looking for guys who's going to contribute at every level, defense, special teams. Um, you know, he'll certainly get his his chance on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a round five pick, and and you can't really. You can't really complain with any of these guys. It again, it's edge help. It's it dresses a need. He offers you something different on that defensive line that you potentially don't have from that edge position. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm struggling to grade it because, like I said, I don't know much about him. Um, but I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Tyreek Smith. But I, I'm, I'm happy enough with it, I guess. I've done some, I've done some delving into him, like reading, like reading things and watching a few things from him, and I don't know why. But I feel like, and I, well, I don't. I know why because I, I, when I look at edge rushers and things like that, mm-hmm. I automatically look at Clint Hurt and think they picked him for a reason. He's he come from a big school, but he's more like that second tier. So you had the Bolsa brothers come out of that college. You had Chase Young come out of that college. They're like top tier, and he's like that tier below them. But he's he's just a pure edge rusher. He's just a pure rusher of the football. Nothing more, nothing less. But I think that with Clint Hurt, with Clint Hurt when he when he got the DC job and he interviewed about things, 
he kind of fits what he said back then, the kind of players he wants. High motors will keep on attacking, keep on going, keep on thinking. You can't get too cute with him. You can't be dropping him into coverage. I, I personally wouldn't say he's just a pure and pure rusher of the football. Yeah. And I think he could be a sneaky good pickup as long as they just stick to his strengths, don't get cute with it, and yeah, just play to his strengths. Play to his strength with Clint Hurt to help him grow as a player, redefine his skills. I think he could be a really good sneaky pickup on that D line. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm grading it as a B slash C mainly because I don't know too much about him. Obviously, he's come from a good school in Ohio State. He, apart from his numerous injuries, another one, um, he was hampered a little bit in in terms of sort of sacks and pressures by them. But like you've both said, he's a different type of rusher, which is mm. brilliant. If we've got our our outside linebackers who are just typically the the fast lads off the edge, but then we've got someone who can ball rush and just bring a bit of power, I'm all for it because. God knows, different teams defend in different ways, and all it's going to take is an O-line that's used to a speed rusher, but then they shit the pants when it comes to a power rusher. I'm, I'm, I can give it that, yeah, B slash C. Let's, let's go C plus for now. C plus, I like the positivity. Um, let's go to round seven then, pick 229. We had a little run on receivers in the seventh round for whatever reason, but there we go. We always draft one, as we said in the last pod. Um Paul Melton was the first one wide receiver out of Rutgers. This is quite an interesting pick, actually, from what I've been reading about him. Um, I saw quite a lot of people surprised that he's fell to round seven. Um, guys grading him at about that sort of round four, round five kind of grade anywhere, sort of from, from that point onwards. Um, an early day three, mid day three kind of guy, certainly not a round seven guy. From what I know of him, I'm not saying he's going to be this kind of player, but I think the Seahawks might try and mould him and, and use him similarly to how the 49ers used Debo Samuel. Um, Bo Melton ran a 4-3-4, um, so he's, he's very quick. He's a quick lad. He's 5'11". He kind of looks like Debo. Um, and I think, I, I don't know if he was used as sort of a gadget kind of guy at Rutgers in terms of handing the ball off to him in the backfield, but I, I, I kind of see him being used like that in Seattle. Um I mean, he's a, he's a tip. He's a prototypical slot receiver, take the top off a defense kind of guy. Um, so I think that's where you'll see him lined up, like you know, predominantly in the in the in the Seahawks' offensive snaps. Um, obviously, I think he'll get his chance at being the kick returner on special teams as well, take that role off of Freddie Swain because I think the Seahawks like what they're seeing Freddie Swain and want to give him a more, you know, want to protect him a bit more, similar to how Lockett was used, and then we realised how good Lockett was in terms of actually going to be a battle with ball. him. And- it's him and DJ Dallas for kick returning now because it was yeah. Dallas returning most from last year, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so that'll be an interesting well, competition. Who, who, what did Swain return? Was his punt return? Which one so he did punt, Dallas... so I, I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. think that this is one of those picks Swain... where he's obviously dropped down the draft board because he's gone to a small school like Rutgers. Yeah. Um, well, I've done some, <coughs> done some reading on him because um, – I saw on Twitter someone talk about him saying he could be a really good sneaky pickup because of his, he had two return touchdowns for special teams last year. But then looking into it more, <coughs> he's fallen, by the looks of it, he's fallen down as far as he's fallen down because Rutgers is a pure run team. Yeah. And, but then you break down the numbers on the pass game when they did pass, he, he was their passing attack. Mm-hmm. 
He was the main guy on that team, but there's just not enough tape on him because you you predominantly you're predominantly playing college football in a run first to yeah. the death team by the sounds of it, from what I've uh, read on it. Um, but people are like people are linking him, saying like it could be a surprise package, especially for the slot. Mm. He's a really good slot player. Yeah. Like I heard someone, I was listening to a podcast and I swear they were like, I'm sure they compared him to like a Doug Baldwin-esque player with mm-hmm. his skills. Mm-hmm. Like I can't vouch for that because like I've only watched a bit of him and read on him because he's like a seventh rounder. So he might not even make the team. But by the looks of it, a lot of people are quite high on him to make this team on special teams solely because of his returnability. Yeah, um, like I say, it, it's it's an interesting one in terms of, again, at this point in the draft, you're kind of looking for those guys with these athletic traits that sort of pop out the chart other than essentially a few other guys. And like we say, he's obviously very quick. I, I mean, he's got over 2,000 career receiving yards at Rutgers, like you say, Pez, in a predominantly run-heavy system. So that's, you know, that that's nothing to be frowned upon. Um, so he, he can obviously catch the ball and he can obviously find a role in the receiving game. So... Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting pick. I think, like I say, I think he'll make his name on special teams first and then sort of rotate with that Freddie Sway and D. Eskridge kind of role in the, in the slot and, and just see what happens, really. Um, like I say, there's no risk attached to these kind of guys. We're, we're pretty set at receiver anyway. So um, let's go to the next pick then. Our final pick in the draft, pick 223. Derek Young from Lenore Ryan. I believe this is... Lenore Ryan's second only ever guy who's been drafted ahead of Kyle Duggar from last year. Where the fuck is Lenore Ryan? It sounds like a lovely little school on the river somewhere, Lenore Ryan. Do you know the funny thing about him is, um, (laughs) I was listening to a breakdown on the podcast, and the guy went, honestly, you don't actually know if this guy exists, because some people don't have any college stats since 2019. So some people have got him, he's not played football for two years. Some people have got bit parts of um, stats from 2020. But no one actually knows that much about this fella. <laughs> no, it's like that school that was like, there was that controversy over that school that was like made up, wasn't there? A few, like, was it last year or the year before? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. High <laughs> That's kind yeah. of what the Norrine is. Um, but, I mean, he's six foot three. Is it, so like, like, it, it, this is it. All all the write ups are he's basically a a pound stretcher version of DK Metcalf. That's fair enough. I'll take you know, that. It's a pound man version. You know, they're like six foot two, two twenty, and the guy is stacked, which is fantastic. But if no one knows what what he can do with the football, he might just look really good on posters. Next stop, underwear yeah. model. You never know. I mean, he's only played in two games last season. I I, I can only <laughs> presume that was through injury. Um, but I mean, have you seen his biceps? By the way, I mean he is built to be fair. He's a big lad. Um, so I, I mean, whether you can find a you role, just know in... in the gym, it's going to be him and him and uh, DK. Yeah, giving it the uh, the old yeah. flexing. See, do you think that's what they've done? Then do you think if they've traded, if they were going to trade DK, then they've just yeah, got we'll a pound... just get his clone. Yeah, they've just got a pound stretch of it. They want to get younger. They want to get cheaper. Well, there's your pound stretcher version. Literally, of DK. all they've done here is just. Is just that they've like got these big guys in, 
And it's like DK's just going to bounce back into training camp like you two with me right now. Let's go. I'm going one-on-one with you and me and you are going in the gym. Let's lift. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you're going to take these guys from small schools, then obviously they see potential at an NFL level. And if we can coach them up to be at the level we need, they've got the raw talent. I'm I'm cool with that. He he was on one of the uh, the 30-man visits, wasn't he? So they've yep. obviously seen something in him. They've done some testing in the facility. Let's, what... let's wait and see. I'm going to give it a C because it is yeah. just a, a wait and see because he might never see the field. He might well, see the field that. a couple of times. Do you, know, um, see. do you know something interesting about him at his height um, and size? He used to play running back. So, it, uh, so he's getting snaps over Kenneth Walker then? No. Not. Well, <laughs> you know, do you know, like, like the, the, the Rams jet sweeps and the Rams like to play them, yeah, like, yeah. they always like to play them with McVeigh. They like to play them sweet little hand-me-off balls to a receiver and then they go... That's Wal- Waldron basically picking his players, isn't it? Yeah. Really, Overall it is, thoughts it? On, the, on the draft then, to summarise it up? I mean, for me, quickly, I, I mean, I said that I wanted to see guys get drafted who have the right attitude. I wanted to see them sort of not take potentially controversial guys, play it safe this year, go best player available. Um, and, and to me, that's what they've done. I think that I think they've got a, a draft class full of guys who are going to come in blue chip, hardworking and just get on and, and, and really good players as well. I think we've got exceptional value in all the rounds. For me, this is, this could be their best draft yet in terms of the Pete Carroll era, John Schneider era. This could be the best one. Time will tell, but I give this draft a solid B plus just because of the unknowns towards the, the back end of it. The first four picks were an A. Like even oh, with yeah. Kenneth Walker, I said he was a B, B plus overall, they they make an A. Like the yeah, but B plus in total. I'd, I'd go with A minus, but B plus to be on that skeptical safe side. Then let him prove me wrong. Let him prove you wrong. That's Pez's mantra. Yeah. Well, well, he's, he's led me in. He's led me in perfectly. He's done it a couple of times tonight, Josh. I like this. I like this. Uh... Synchronicity, my friend. That's the word. We That's are one. <laughs> um, personally, for me, I'll give this draft as a whole an A. And it might not be solely for the players in it. It's solely for what Pete and John did. Because yeah. a couple... A couple of pods ago, the end of an era podcast, I was livid and I just said, I am in full prove me wrong mode. And I said, I will wait till the draft, see how he fucks that draft up, and then I'll take it from there. And that will be my and attitude lo and behold. on this podcast. <laughs> nailed it. And it's an A because he's proved me wrong. So Were you, like, be... were you like celebrating during the draft and then going, fuck? <laughs> I was thinking to myself, fuck's sake, if he starts being an honest guy, I'm going to be right. I'm going to be saying sorry. Um, you proved me wrong about 15 times. Is it the start? Is it the start now? Is this the first? Oh, you're, you're going to look like a right wrong. horrible bastard, yeah. I'm going do, to be... do you notice the smug smile creeping across my face <laughs> I have with every word you utter? <laughs> well, listen, he's got phase one. Let's see the rest of it. Phase one but... complete. I like it. Yeah, but th- that's that's my feelings on it. Personally, I'm re- like I'm he, like you said, he just picked the best that was available, and you can't you can't ask them to do any more than that. No, nope. so it's proved me wrong. 
I am going to be a more. I'm. It's got me excited. I'm not as pessimistic anymore. A pessimistic nurse. It's not pessimistic, Pez. It's proper positive, Pez. Now. Yeah. With all the alliteration. Proper positive, Pez. Yeah. <laughs> is coming He's back. back. <laughs> He's, He's back. coming back. <laughs> right. Well, here's something else to be positive about potentially. Then. Um, we're very familiar with this guy in Seattle. Ten seasons with us, of course. That's linebacker KJ Wright, now a free agent again, I believe, um, after his sort of disappointing subpar season with the Raiders, really, where he wasn't really particularly involved, I don't think. Um, and speaking to Trey Wings, it seems like KJ is regretting that move too. Um, he's basically come out and said that I want to be a Seahawk next season and until the end of my career. I shouldn't really have ever left. Um, please take me back, Pete. He's, he's kind of just on his knees at this point, just praying, begging Pete and Pete and John to re-sign him. And I, I mentioned this on the last pod. We said, would we rule out a potential KJ Wright coming back situation? And then all of a sudden, the stars have collided, and KJ Wright's come out and obviously listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, what I mean? What did I? What did I say, Josh? To you, <laughs> James's fishing trips. Oh, here we go. <laughs> fishing trips. Conveniently over the draft, and the, the the pick he calls on the last pod, they pick at nine. Woolen, who he gushed over, they end up picking. Like bloody that um, we didn't get that Algieri was... nearly spontaneously combust over, no. but everyone's wanking over him. Looking, are you some sort of inside? Are you? Have you clocked it? You're clocking on, right? Barkadamus, mate. That's what it is. Barkadamus. He's just he he predicts these things. If you know, if if you want to give us some lottery numbers or another couple of predictions, I'd be well happy with that. 164 million tonight. That that's not a lottery number. Go on, tell us. Well, put 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 in the chat. No one else needs to know. Well, don't we want to share the love though? No, no. We'll, 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 we'll give a lucky right. listener when we, when we win 164 million we'll give five lucky listeners a yeah. trip to Munich on us Oof. that'd, that'd be on, all expensive paid for that money yeah, yeah. <laughs> see me we would have a right time 164 million I know oh, we'd, we'd, we'd spend got, it all I've in got, Munich I've got debts to pay I've got a daughter that I need to put through college mate I've got houses to buy big plans big plans I haven't got a clue how we've gone to this. KJ, right? <laughs> it's a lottery. Basically, it's a lottery. If KJ comes back, it's a lottery. No one knows. It's just guesswork at the moment. We're just relying on you. With your, uh, your KJ, right? Nostradamus Barker, and then bloody lottery numbers. I don't know how we've gone through all them, and we haven't even talked about KJ, right, yet. It's, just, it's what happens when we come on, when we do an early pod. Sunshine and birds are tweeting, dogs are barking, and we are just chatting utter, utter guff. Yeah, we've got too much energy this time of the day. So, would we um, be happy with that then? Yeah. From a leadership point of view, yes. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. he'd offer. I listened to something earlier, actually, um, and I think they hit the nail on the head. I bring him back from a leadership point of view to help with the culture for some of these young players, to be an ear for Jordan Brooks. And when our defensive coordinator goes, they're running a screen, just chuck KJ on. That, that, that'd be it. He'd be my screen linebacker. Bang him out there and let him just ruin them. And then be like, right, KJ, you're done now. Thanks. We don't Fine. need him for screens anymore. Because cool by the end of last season, Jordan Brooks started smashing it. I'd solely bring him back. If he, if he wanted to come back, I think the, the nice thing for the 
club to do is to re-sign him so he could retire as a Seahawk or re-sign him and then use him in a role a bit like how the Bucks used Sherm last year when he was injured. I don't know whether legally... Or how we used AP. I'd put him on a a veteran minimum and I'd have him come in if we had injuries or just a couple of snaps here and there, have him there for culture and coaching. Or just do what they did with AP, let him hit that milestone he wanted to hit and then just say he's injured for the rest of the season so he can then... (laughs) Because it must be, in all honesty, it must be a thing in contracts that if you sign a player contract, you you can't be seen to be coaching. So bring KJ back. He gets injured in preseason, but then really he's just solely there for eight, like AP's role last year. And I take that all day. And then he, or if not that, the simple facts that they should do from a decency point of view, even though they've shown they're not decent people after what they did to Bobby Wagner, is re-sign KJ so he can retire as a Seahawk. I, like I think other teams, other, other franchises have done it in the NFL with their club legends. The sign of oh, loads up, yeah. So if they're not going to re-sign him in a capacity to play, at least re-sign him so he can retire. Do do one decent thing for one of the legends of this franchise. One of the legends, please just do the decent thing. You, you disrespected Sherm. You disrespected. Um, Bobby, you disrespected Earl. In a way, you kind of disrespected Ross, even though people argue to and fro. He he brought it on himself or he didn't bring it himself. But you disrespected all them legends. Mm. Like, just for once, please just give one of them some decency. That's what I I say. I like it. I'm I'm all aboard that. Yeah, I like the comparison with AP. James Rant. That was a bit like a James Rant, that, yeah. That was. And is this with what it feels bombshell. like? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, with that bombshell, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, we, we've we've covered the draft, we've covered the picks. Uh, we didn't want to go into all the undrafted free agents this this sort of podcast because we don't particularly know too much about them. With all due respect, at this point, but perhaps once they've signed and 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 rookie mini camp and training camp and all that is starting to get underway, then I'm sure we'll get to talking about some of these undrafted guys and and some more of the drafted guys as more info and more tape gets uh, gets brought out from training camp and stuff like that. But for now, um, I think it's fair to say we're all very happy with phase one, as Pez calls it, of the uh, of the John and Pete rebuild, the, uh, the Prove Me Wrong campaign. Phase one has been completed with flying colours. Um, they have absolutely nailed the draft. Um, even though analysts were still giving us a C minus and 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 Ds in our our draft grades, so nothing changes. Balls to them. That was only because if you looked at player in need, mm. she's got an A plus because he hit every single area of what that with CBS player of need. Because we yeah. didn't pick a quarterback up, and they spent so much of their own time talking shite about them crap quarterbacks of this year's draft. They got their shit on and went, no, no, we're not going to give you a decent grade. We're going to give you a C plus because you never went with what we thought you should have gone with. Simple. Simple. I agree. Um, but for now, like I say, that, that's going to be it for tonight. Um, we'll keep our ears to the ground in terms of any KJ Wright news. And then, of course, any rookie mini camps and stuff like that and training camp. As soon as we get some more news and some interesting pieces and lines from that, I'm sure we'll jump on the pod and record again. As the uh, as the off season develops and goes forward, as we edge ever closer 
day by day to the start of the NFL season again. And uh, I, I'm, I'm more excited than I've, I've been in a long time in, in, in terms of the start of the NFL season with, with this draft class and, and some of the things that they've been doing this offseason. But yeah, any, any new signings, any news, anything like that that happens in between our pods, we will be sure to get on and talk about them as we always do. But for now, gents, ladies, thanks everyone for listening as always. Um, Pez, Josh, thank you as always for coming on. And uh, and yeah, go Hawks, man. Go Hawks. go Hawks. Just before we sign off as well, check us out on our socials. We Talk Seahawks yes. on Twitter and We Talk Seahawks on Instagram as well. Through there, you will see our personal Twitters, but I won't give them out just yet. But I'll finish with a go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>